Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Did you watch Diagnosis on Netflix? No, I didn't watch it. Did you watch it? I watched it. And? And Wait, are we live? We're live with Gross Anatomy. We're live with Gross Anatomy. With Gross Anatomy Podcast. Gross Anatomy Podcast. And I'm Dr. Jason Cohen and... I'm Lauren Taylor. Hey, and we're live and this is where we discuss the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine, how it relates to pop culture, TV, movies, and the world around us. Should we just talk about the show? We should talk about the show. But talk you about. didn't see it, so we, no, maybe but we tell should me, wait. Well, just quickly tell me what your thoughts were. Great, Diagnosis is really good because it does what you wanted to see Chasing the Cure do. It basically takes out, it pushes Ann Curry away. Like, Ann Curry doesn't exist because you don't really need a host. Need it doesn't Curry. make any sense. Right. Why don't they just have the doctor doing all of that? Right. So this, in this, the doctor is the narrator. Right. And so it's just her, basically, and the patient. And is she a she media chooses. person? Um, what do you, oh, she is. Like, is she kind of insta-famous or something already? Like, is she. Well, she had been writing for the New York Times Magazine for 15 years. So she's famous for that. Like, and having a, a column about, like, right. unknown diseases. So and has she been in the news and in the media and interviewed? And, like, is she comfy well, in that setting? Is that why it's working with her? I don't know that she's comfortable in front of the camera, but I did learn that she was a consultant on the show House. Oh, wow. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah. That must have been like fun. a really fun gig. So I'm. Sure, she is known by a lot of people. Right. Are we live? We're live. We're live. So they do away with inquiry, and it's just from the doctor's point of view. And they only so have like one better. patient per episode, which is another thing you said about the last one. It's like right. too much going on. Too much going on. And they solve it at the end of it. And it seems more interesting, though. Yes. Do you recommend watching that show, then? I only watched the first episode, right. Diagnosis, but I it's did It's just like called it. Diagnosis. Yes. Okay. And I liked it a lot better than Chasing the Cure. Are you going to watch another so episode of Chasing the Cure? One... I don't think so. No, but I think neither. I would watch another one of Diagnosis. Diagnosis. So you recommend it? Yeah, because so it you gives, give it a thumb to, to to quote Siskel and Ebert, you give it a thumbs up. Yes, because I okay. I think it's more helpful. All right. Yeah. No, it, the trailer looked awesome. Although I am curious, be, like if it's helpful to more than just that one person, because right. she was basically given the patient that they didn't know what was wrong with her. She was given. She had to go to this Italian hospital where they offered her like a free. In like Italy? Genetic. She had to go to Italy? Yeah, she had to go to Italy. To She's do... an American patient but had to go to Italy? Yes, where they actually have free health care. Uh-huh. And she was like, are you struggling in America with all the doctors trying to sue her because she couldn't pay her medical bills? It's wow. like a 23-year-old girl. Wow. So it shows like the health care oh, problems. Oh, interesting stuff. Like you were talking about before, too. It would be interesting to see if it like Helps the changes health care a nice. little bit. So, um, so everybody, everybody in the world probably saw our post, right? Yeah. We should discuss our post. It was kind of cool about my friend Kung. Oh yeah. Right. We yes. didn't talk about that no, yet. No, we didn't. Let's talk so, about it. So yeah, don't you think we should before we get on to the topic? Absolutely. Right. Um, so when I was a fourth year medical student, I got the chance as one of my electives to go spend like two months in a hospital. Uh, initially, I was supposed to go to Uganda, but there was like unrest there at the time, so we wound up. Go- I wound up going to Kikuyu, Kenya which is a small city, village, town, whatever you want to call it, outside of Nairobi, the capital, about 45-minute drive. And it was probably one of the best experiences I had in my entire life. I was a fourth-year medical student, but I was given so much responsibility. I got to see and do so much. But the really great thing was we stayed in kind of like these little bungalows or cottages where I had my own room and there was a bathroom. Actually, I think there were even a few bedrooms in the place and and uh, maybe even more than one bathroom. And I had an, a housemate, this guy from Korea, this guy Kung 
Dr. Kung Yong Pai. Was he a fourth year resident too? No. He, well, I was a med student. I was a fourth year oh, med student. Med I think he was a little further ahead in his training than okay. I was. He may have already been a resident. And the hospital where I worked in, in Kikuyu, Kenya, um, was, which is both the name of the town, the people, it's a tribe of Kikuyu and a language, wow. one of the languages of Kikuyu. Um, and the Kikuyu people were amazing, just so warm and open. There should be a documentary. I can already see it. Yeah, it was sure great. It was. And so Kung was there for because there was a lot of orthopedic injuries and a lot of orthopedic trauma that that from the um, the driving there is insane. The safety car car accidents, car wrecks is crazy. And then there was just a lot of weird machete incidences, believe it or not. So wow. Kung was there to do orthopedics because the head of the hospital at the time was an orthopedic surgeon okay. who I think was known in Korea. And somehow Kung got to do this away elective while we were there. And we were just, you know, two foreigners not knowing each other, living together, um, in a stra- strangers in a strange land. And um, during the day, we were doing our own separate rotations. Um he was mostly doing orthopedics. I was delivering babies. I was doing surgeries. I was treating all sorts of internal medicine ailments that you don't necessarily see in the in America. So what you would just see every patient that just came to you with all... No, so they would give me different... They, they would have me rotate every week on a different kind of service. So like one oh, week okay. I was doing OBGYN and I was doing a lot of C-sections. I'm just picturing it being this like tiny town where just people just come in like walk in yeah it is cut yeah and our clinics people came from all over and interestingly it was also like the at least locally it was known as an eye center an eye clinic so people with all sorts of eye illnesses and eye diseases like weird parasitic diseases that went to the eye um they would come and be treated there too so a lot of orthopedic a lot of eye stuff um and then me just doing my own weird stuff okay. so um but every evening we'd meet after our work at the hospital and we'd be together in this house. So we'd wind up eating our meals together. Actually, and he just is here now from Korea after how many, 20 plus years of so not... hadn't seen him in 20 plus Actually, years. no. He had been to the States one or two other times okay. and every few years, but I haven't seen him in at least 15 years. Okay. So... Um, Maybe even more. Maybe more like uh, 16 years. 16, 17 years. I haven't seen him. And uh, now and then we'll email a little bit, but really nothing other than that because he's a doctor in Korea, orthopedic surgeon, incredibly busy. Mm -hmm. But what was amazing is they have a daughter now. They have two children. Their daughter is ready to go to college, and she's going to Berkeley. Where your daughter went. Where my daughter went. Just coincidence. So they came to bring their daughter here to college, um, and they were first in L.A., and now they were going up to drop her off at college. Wow. Yeah. So Did we she get to talk to your daughter? Like, yeah, the they got to talk a little oh. bit. We exchanged numbers in case she needs oh, anything. We told so her to come sweet. stay with us. Yeah. What I found amazing was that Kung, who's, been, who's, who's actually a few years older than I am, he's in his mid-50s, um, gets one week a year off. Man. And he's in his mid fifties. He's been doing this for thirty years already. Wow! They're not one allowed. Week off? Yeah, he gets one week a year off, and I just thought that was crazy. That is crazy. Crazy, and he works at least half of the weekends too. So he had a fly here. I imagine it's this really was long his vacation. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. What a good dad. Yeah. I'm glad you guys got to meet up. Yeah, it was great. What are we talking about today? 
I wanted to talk about, I saw this thing in BuzzFeed that published 18 jokes about watching medical dramas that are so accurate. And one of my favorite posts was about um, Grey's Anatomy, where they were like, oh, one person wrote this about Grey's Anatomy. Uh, she took a photo of the Grey's Anatomy cast and she wrote, three people in this picture were shot, one person had cancer, three of them were in a plane crash, one of them drowned, two of them died, one of them was hit by a bus, and five of them experienced a mass shooting. Right. You can't tell me Grey's Anatomy isn't wild. Yeah. And it's just... Basically, when you look at every uh, one of the surgeons here at the hospital I am, it's it's totally accurate. That's every... <laughs> no, no, it's totally <laughs> fantasy ridiculous. They've all almost drowned together yeah. for some reason. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Grey's Anatomy is an easy one to be like, it's ridiculous because it is the most soap, soap opera-like but it's also been on for 15 seasons, yeah. so of course these people... they got to keep coming yeah. up with stuff. Although, I don't know if I told you, when I was a... I think I was already a med student. It, it, I, I, I don't totally remember if it was while I was still in college or when I was a med student. I may have already been a med student. I, I trained at Downstate State University of New York in Brooklyn, which is a real county, old-fashioned kind of program in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, the Kings County Hospital was our big training ground. They called it a knife and gun club because it was tons of trauma. Wow. And it was back, you know, in the day when we'd see a lot of crazy gang violence and things like that. So um, there was uh, supposedly the chief of trauma was this great guy. I'm blanking on his name. An amazing guy. Okay. Loved by everybody. And they had this trauma patient come in who ultimately died. And I think... His friend or family member walked right into the hospital, went upstairs to the second floor, which is where the trauma office was, and the trauma office was kind of right next door to the ward. The ward, you walked through the ward, opened the door, and you were in the trauma office. Mm -hmm. And opened the door, walked into the trauma office, opened fire on the chief of trauma. Oh, my God. Blew him away. No. The residents there and then tried to crack open his chest to save his life there on the floor, and the guy died. So that that kind of, you know, is Grey's Anatomy-ish. Yes. Yeah. I I mean... Yeah. That's hard to believe. Hard to believe. I mean, I believe you, but that is... And and where I... So, Kings County, that was almost only... At the same time, I don't know, you're too young to remember, there there was something called the Crown Heights Riots... There was some incident where some Hasidic Jew, I think, ran over accidentally and killed someone from the black community. And it led to riots in the streets. Um, Someone was stabbed a zillion times, brought into the hospital, and um, ultimately died in the hospital. And because they forgot to kind of look and roll them over and find all the stab wounds and stuff. And it, we used to get people coming in. Um, oh, so this Grey's Anatomy thing might not be too crazy right. for you. I and mean, I was there, you know, just talking about it. I, I know it's a kind of deviating. Pre-9-11, there were already these terrorist cells in, in, the, in America and in New York, uh, especially and I was the third year resident doing trauma. To make a long story short, there were these terrorists plotting uh, an attack on the World Trade Center pre 9 11 that 
that the FBI found and caught and shot him up and brought him to our hospital. Oh and we had to take care of those guys. I come in in the morning and they're there. We had FBI, we had SWAT, we had the U.S. Marshals. We had so much- All surrounding this room? All around us. They set up a whole thing. There was hard, you know, heavy duty artillery. artillery. Anytime we walked with these patients, we were like guarded by 20 people. I don't even feel like this storyline has been on Grey's Anatomy. I feel like you should be writing this yeah, show. It was pretty cool. Wow. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. You saw a lot And there. we took care of those guys, which was amazing in itself. I mean, you have to. Yeah. It was pretty crazy taking care of those guys. Wow. Yeah. And that, that that's the shortened version of, of what happened. All right. It's for another so, episode. So, so what else are we talking about? So maybe, you know, the extreme things that happen aren't so extreme to you. So maybe that's not like a medical trope right. or cliche Although, to you. Right. Although they're rare and they certainly don't happen mm-hmm. to everybody in one place. Right, right. Like Grey's Anatomy. Right. Right. Well, one of, uh, so I went on to this site that had just like a list of medical tropes and I just kind of like wrote down my favorite. One was... um. Billy needs an organ, and I feel like I have seen that in so many. The like, Billy needs an organ episode. No, I mean they're just using that as a right. reference, but uh, just like in Grey's Anatomy, where back to Grey's Anatomy, yeah, uh-huh. they'll show like you know all doctors like the doctor being involved in all the decisions about organ allocation, and on the site they were said in reality. The med- there's a totally different medical team. Like totally different medical you, team. You would have nothing to do. Not only that, it's kind of even against more morality. It may even be illegal, but it's certainly not moral to be the one to decide where that organ's going. Yeah, I feel like I've even seen that in ER. It's like, like a Dr. conflict Ross of interest. Dr. Ross is like, get, trying to get an organ. So they don't, that doesn't happen? That is a totally different team. No, so if someone needs a transplant... Mm-hmm. There will definitely be people advocating to try to get that patient to the top of the like list. You maybe. as a doctor or a different team? No, not really. Okay. It, because the reality is, is the transplant surgeons are so busy mm-hmm. that they're busy taking care of the tr- pre-transplant patients, post-transplant patients, uh, and transplant patients, and doing the transplant surgery. Mm-hmm. That they're not out, you know, yeah. trying to advocate. Hey, let's give this organ to so-and-so right, and da-da-da. Right. There, there may be a little bit of that, but but really there are these, there's social workers, there's nursing, there's all these other systems in place. Um, yeah, it said that in reality there's a whole just like medical team that's dedicated to that. Yeah, because it's so complex. And that they talk to the family. Right. Like, so you as a, as a cancer surgeon wouldn't be the one to... No, no way. If someone needed an organ. No okay. way. Okay. And, and not only that, the... The, tr- the the people treating the person who's about to become brain dead, you know, who's going to lose their kidney, mm-hmm. it's a conflict of interest and immoral and illegal for me to also be the transplant surgeon. Because then I have an interest in that person dying so mm-hmm. I can get their kidney. Right. Can't, and I think it can't happen. It's got to be two different teams, for I, sure. I feel like that's used all the time on TV. Now that I'm thinking about it. What? Like, just, that it's yeah, the, same the same team? The same doctor, like, trying to, like... This yeah. person dies, now he's like, all right, let's get this kidney in this person. Like, it just happens, no like, magic, but it's Can't never, be. yeah. It's never. It's not real. No, it's not real. Um, apparently, they had a show just based on this actual organ donation medical team, but I guess nobody wanted to watch it. It was called Three Rivers. Have you ever heard of it? Was it I heard fiction? of it. Um, was it a, a reality yeah, show no, or a fiction show? it wasn't show? a reality show. It was fiction. 
But I guess it got canceled. How long ago? But apparently they thought it would be interesting to just follow in well, donations. Transplant too. surgeons, they work an insane amount of hours. I mean, mm-hmm. because when that kidney or liver or heart is ready, you got to be ready. Right. And there are not a ton of transplant surgeons. At each hospital or institution, there are only so many transplant surgeons because you can't really employ like a zillion transplant surgeons. So often there are just a couple of them and they have to take turns being the one on call. Okay. And if one someone's doing a transplant and another organ happens to come in for another patient who needs it, you know, so these guys are up in the middle of the night, all hours of the night. Wow. It's a very crazy. So the it training like is it could vigorous. Be a good show, like their lives could be good. Oh, their, li- for a show. their lives are hectic wow. and horrible. It's amazing. Maybe it was too much. Yeah, like I thought it was really intriguing, but there was no way. It was just for me, it was too much. Yeah, I thought I wanted to be a trauma surgeon, and I'm happy I didn't do that either. Right, another just completely hectic schedule. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. Right. So that was one of them. Um, another favorite of mine on the trope list was Dr. Jerk, which is basically Dr. House. Right. Where you always see that. Um, you see it in Scrubs, too. There, I forget the name of the guy in Scrubs, but he was just a huge jerk, too. Right. But he's, uh, yeah. And it was no in that autism. It was not... in that autism. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. There was the, but I only watched one or two episodes. Um, the is Good Doctor. Sti- is that still on? I think it's I think it doctor. might still be, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Right, and there's a Dr. Jerk there, yeah. too. Yeah, so I guess he's pretty much in every... I mean, there's... Yeah. I hate to say... But you think this one's true, too? I was going to ask... True-ish. True-ish. More so in the olden days, less so today, because you really can't... You get called out today, and you could get in trouble today, and there's a well-being committee, and and... It's much kinder and gentler, which is good. It's bad for the doctor jerk, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, there still are. You know, it, it came up in our in our last group of my pre med students. One of them was shadowing a doctor jerk. Is it like tough love? Like, is that why? Like, I I think it's actually. I think there's. I think people find it kind of entertaining, maybe or comical. And I think there are a group of people who have tough enough skin who like the person mm-hmm. who say, let's work with this doctor. Right. I don't know. Well, I think it goes like both. There could be a trope, too, of like the doctor that's too compassionate. Because obviously you guys right. will have to, like, especially when you're like doing trauma and stuff, like you're going to have patients die and then you have to go into another patient's room. And right. like, right. you can't. Well, that was my favorite TV show and one of the, which we talked about St. Elsewhere, right? Did we yeah. talk about yeah. St. Elsewhere? Which was one of the sh- reasons that it got me interested in medicine. That's a nice car honking. Um, was um, one of the doctors, I'm blanking on his name, Peter Morse, I think. Peter Morse. I think his name was Peter Morse in real life. Um, although that may have been his character name. I don't even remember. Was my favorite doctor on the show. But um, he was too nice. And he eventually got like, they had him become like a prison doctor and then he got raped, and his storyline got crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, no. But uh, I love that character. And then, oddly enough, he went from being, like, super nice guy on this show, St. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And then all his roles after that, he disappeared for a while. And then all his roles, he became, like, tough guy. Like, he built up, he became muscular, and he became almost like a villainy kind oh, of tough weird. guy. Which is a weird transition for yeah. the guy. He <laughs> was one of my favorite up. characters. Aww. Yeah. Well, um, all right. So, Doctor Jerk is you're gonna say that trope is it's exaggerated. It's true, but exaggerated all on right. the shows That's for true. sure. That, yeah, I mean, Doctor House. I mean, someone with that little compassion doesn't seem like they could be a doctor. Yeah, not only that, isn't he like obviously a drug addict? 
Two, yes. like, yeah. So I don't think, uh, yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't know. fly. All yeah. right. Um, but in the olden days, maybe, but I don't think today. Right. Okay. Um, there's another trope. We have to get the bullet out. You see that a lot. Right. So what are your thoughts That's, on that? That is a funny one. <laughs> Even today, there's always got to get the bullet out. Yeah. And you know, the reality is, is we rarely get the bullet out. Most people live with their bullets. As long as it's not impeding on some vital structure and, mm. and getting in the way of a vital structure, we leave bullets in. And the reason is, is taking that bullet out is likely going to cause more harm than good because you got to go through stuff to get it out. Yeah, that's what I was reading. Yeah. I mean, occasionally we'll operate on, someone gets shot in the abdomen, we'll operate on the abdomen, and the bullet's just sitting there in our faces. Then we're going to remove it if we're operating on to fix their blood vessel or fix their colon and the bullet's sitting there. Mm -hmm. But if someone gets shot and the bullet's like lodged in their butt or lodged in their, behind all their organs... It's staying there if it's not causing any problem. Because in order to get it out, you often have to go through big blood vessels and things like that. And you're way liable to cause more harm. Like a bullet in the brain, if the person, believe it or not, if someone gets shot in the head Mm -hmm. and they're fine, that bullet's staying in. Oh, wow. Because to get that bullet out, we don't know what we're going to go through to pull it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that one was really interesting to me. Yeah. I never thought about it because I'm not a doctor. But, right. But, um, yeah. And a lot of times, you know, with bullets, it's it's more about the trajectory, you know, the pathway that the bullet takes to figure out injuries, which was which was kind of a cool thing in medicine, mm-hmm. in, in trauma surgery, was... If it goes at this pathway, you, you, we always look w- with bullet wounds, which is kind of cool. You always look for an entrance and an exit wound. You know, that's one thing that we learned from this Crown Heights riot thing, which we didn't totally realize is we totally disrobe any trauma patient. Okay. Take off everything. And there's the saying, fingers and tubes in every orifice. And, and the reason is, as gross as that sounds, so, you know, you stick a finger up the button, do a rectal exam, you, you check their urine because... If someone gets stabbed or shot, you if you see blood coming from their butt, if they look totally fine, but you find blood when you do a rectal exam, you're like, wow, there may be some major internal injury. Oh, wow. We have to deal with it. Or if they urine and you put a catheter and there's bloody urine, wow, they may have a bladder injury. We have to deal with it. Okay. So that that's the saying. So with bullets, though... We're always looking for an entrance and an exit wound. The other thing we're always doing with the gunshot is is checking x-rays of where they got shot to see, A, if we still see the bullet in, especially if we don't see an exit wound, so we could figure out, do we have to operate, what's the story, what's at risk, and all of that. Right. Okay. Yeah. That is so, but But one, you know, and they always show in terms of getting the bullet out, like the classic scene is the bullet dropping in the pan and the sound of the bullet clinking yes. in the pan. So we as surgeons... It's always like in a bedpan or something Right. Too. And yeah. it's always like a dramatic clinking. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like when we do, if we do remove a bullet, we almost deliberately do that just to m- mock... TV to kind of copy oh, TV because wow. you don't need to do that but we're like <laughs> let's get the sound and the noise if there I've seen this before in TV shows too like a lot of times people in um, you know not doing legal activity if they get shot they will never go to the hospital because I guess do you have to call the police if there's a bullet wound why are people that oh, get right. shot do they actually have bad to explain people it to who the get cops? shot why do they they always end up going to a veterinarian there's right. always somehow a veterinarian yeah. that'll do it for like cash yeah it's like ridiculous right they never go to, to the hospital where you would need to go I don't know if you have to notify the police but the police at least back in the day when I was doing trauma 
The police are there. Yeah. Okay, that's the thing. Yeah. And you may have to report a bullet wound. Stab wound, not necessarily, but usually social services get gets involved and stuff like that. Okay. For like an obvious knife wound. Right. So that's not what you do today. So like if someone's wouldn't. slicing a bagel yeah. and you have a cut on your hand, you don't have to notify the cops. But I, I'm I'm not in that scene enough to know if it's an automatic notification. I think a gunshot probably Yeah, but where you were, is. the cops were already just there they were constantly. There. Cops were there all the time. We were okay. buddies with the cops. Okay. Yeah. That is um, interesting. Was, yeah. Okay. Any yeah. other uh, tropes that get on your nerves? Um, someone you on me. Reddit posed this question. What medical TV trope is so wrong, a doctor would probably get fired in real life? And it seems to be, like, resuscitation. Um, mm-hmm. When they yell out, he's in V-fib, we've got to shock him. They administer the shock, and everyone just kind of waits for something to happen. Then there's no electrical activity. They shock the dude again and again. No chest compressions. No inotropes. 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 Which is a medicine that helps make the heart beat better, okay. faster. And just a defibrillator. Defibrillator, yes, mm-hmm. which is a hard word for me. So they right. say they think that's like a big one that you would actually get fired for that they show. Right. Well, the code, way. the codes. I think you know I haven't been involved, thankfully, in a code in a long time. But the codes in movies and TV are much more dramatized than they mm-hmm. are in real life. Is that a real word? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, than than in real life, um, and you know they do things for effect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's an, also another one that a doctor wrote that really bothered him was um, he's flatlining and then they'll be like charged to 200. And he said, but you do not shock, how do you say this word? A-S-Y-S-T-O-L. A-systole. A-systole. Yeah, so basically a flatline, typically the the algorithm for treating that is not shocking. Oh, okay. You, you don't shock the heart. Right. You shock the heart for, you need electrical activity to get them back into normal activity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that was like a, those two big ones. Interesting. Like, yeah. Other doctors. Because, I mean, yeah. I mean, who's a, probably the writer is not a doctor usually. Probably not. Although these days sometimes they are and they certainly have consultants. And, right. Um, but they don't have me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I feel like that's all you see is like them restarting hearts that way. Yeah. But that's not normal. It would just be if it hadn't, what, like a disorganized rhythm is usually when you so, use it? So that's what v, VTAC and VFib are. It's, it's it's not when you flatline. No, okay. it's not flatlining. It's it's You have electrical activity, but it's it's irregular. And what the shocking does is it kind of, it's jump-starting the car mm-hmm. back into a normal rhythm. That's what the shocking is doing. Okay. So you have to have a rhythm to shock something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, but I've been out of it for a long time. So if there's something new, everybody, thankfully, I don't know. do that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, those were what other bothered other doctors. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on gra- on Gross Anatomy, us. not Gray's Anatomy, but Gross Anatomy podcast. And let us know some of your favorite medical tropes, or let us know some of your questions or favorite medical concerns. shows. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I dare you. I dare you to to email us or. Insta us or podcast us or whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever you want to do. Yep. DM us. You can go to our podcast, grossanatomypodcast.com. Right. And uh, and there you go. Send us an email. Thank you. Thanks. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine.